my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. So today we are going to talk about things for you to unlearn if you have been in an unhealthy or toxic or dysfunctional relationship. So in every partnership, in every situation that we have, we take lessons away. And sometimes the lessons feel as if they are for our betterment. And sometimes we feel as if they are things that maybe have taken away from our joy and our hope. And sometimes they are things that we think are part of our betterment, part of our wisdom, but really it is just a sign of our trauma. And things that if a relationship broke in a bad way or an unhealthy way, that it kind of leaves us with scars and it leaves us with things that we think are going to work for us, but actually may keep us more stuck and keep us away from love and keep us away from the types of relationships that we want. So today's episode are going to be some of those things for you to possibly unlearn, depending on what you may have gone through in the past. As always, please take what you need and leave the rest. I understand that some of the things that I may share here, because of course, I I just make up that the people who may click on this or may be listening to this a little bit more intently, may be currently going through a hard time or may have recently gone through a, a hard time. And maybe I might say one of the things that you have been holding on to. Um, that you feel like has been keeping you safe and keeping you from harm. And I just hope that the way that I share it, if it is one of those things and it is a defense mechanism versus actually something that's going to help you have better relationships, I hope that the way that I present it is in a way that you can receive it with the love that is intended. And also with the knowledge to know that you can make it work however you need to make it work for you and for your story. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump in with some things for you to unlearn if you are healing from or going through a toxic breakup or separation from a relationship that was not the best for you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. So one thing that pain is going to do is it's going to teach us. We are going to take a lesson from it, and some of us will take that we do not want this to ever happen again, so we will study and study and study what happened to make sure that we do not get burned again. So we get burned by a stove, and we will study and study and study the situation to make sure that our hand never gets caught up in the flame again. And sometimes what happens is people will accurately assess what happened, which means that my hand uh, got burned when I touched the stove. Okay, what happened was I touched the burner when it was hot and I wasn't paying attention. I didn't have on gloves. And so next time I'm going to make sure that I turn on this certain burner and that I have the pots in this situation 
or in this space to make sure that I don't accidentally move forward and lean onto the stove or make sure that I only turn on the stove when I'm ready for this or turn it up to this level of heat or use the back burners because I know I'm doing a lot of moving around. Like you, you study the situation to make sure that you do not put yourself in harm's way while still being able to operate the stove. Some of us will overcorrect. And so we will not want to use the stove at all. Instead of us saying, okay, it was the way that I used it, or it was just me not paying attention, or this is just me learning how to use a stove, and this is just part of learning how to cook, we will say, okay, the stove is the problem, and I'm going to completely get rid of the stove. And we need the stove to eat. We need the stove to make certain recipes. You know, you can't make everything in the microwave. You can try. You know, you can't make everything in the air fryer. You can make a good amount of stuff in the air fryer before my air fryer fans <laughs> come for me. But there are some things that you're going to want to need to or want to use the stove to cook for. And if not, here's here's probably the the biggest takeaway, if I'm going to really lean into this metaphor, is you do not want to live your life in fear of something that is meant for your good and meant to enhance your life. A stove in and of itself is just a utensil, it's a tool that provides a variety of different experiences for you and a variety of different dishes and, and meals and desserts and all these things that are that is going to really enhance and enrich your life. And you could live your life around a microwave or live your life around an air fryer or a toaster or something else, but you will miss out on so many more experiences that were built for you, that are designed for you. And I see this a lot with people who have been burned in certain types of relationships. They will throw everything away and they will say, well, you know what? Fine. I do not need this type of relationship or I don't need to have companionship. And they will try to build their life really with all these buffers around things that they think is the problem. And the problem is not relationships. The problem is not love. The problem is not connection. The problem is the people or the persons who you are connected to. It is their brokenness. It is their predatoriness. It is their inability to show up. It is their wounding that was projected onto you. That is the common denominator, not relationships, not love, not trust, not connection. And I understand if you continue to get burned over and over again, you just figure, okay, well, what I've thought was the problem is not the problem. So maybe it actually is the stove. Maybe that is actually something that I need to put down. In fact, one of my friends texted me in this video on TikTok and she wanted me to stitch it. And I was telling her how I didn't really feel like I had anything to share because it was a woman who was telling her story about how you know, she had been burned by someone who she thought that she would trust in a dating relationship and that she had continued to have these relationships with men that she just felt like they were just showing that they were heartless and cold and that none of them cared and that maybe she just really needs to focus on herself. And I said, you know, I really didn't want to stitch that because I know that that woman is telling her absolute truth. And that she really has been doing her best, being in therapy, putting herself out there, really trying to keep an open mind, you know, showing up in her boundaries. And I believe that she's been doing everything she knows in her power and she's been getting these same results. 
And so to stitch someone who has been really putting their all in this and to say, hey, have you considered this? When what they're needing right now is to grieve and to feel the the hopelessness, right? And to feel that sadness and to have someone tell them, I see you and you're someone, have someone not tell them, maybe you're the problem, but to actually just say, I see you and let them have their feelings. Like that's what she actually needs right now, because that is a very painful place to be where you feel like you don't really know what more you can do. And it's a real place to be. And it's a real place that a lot of people are finding themselves in, in this day and time for a lot of different reasons. And the last thing that someone needs is to gaslight someone who is currently grieving and tell them, here's five more tips for you to try because they're tired. They're tired, they're exhausted, and they just really need to focus on themselves and realign and figure out, is this even what I want? Is actually going out for relationships and going out for connection, is it, it are the Cons worth the pros, right? Do the benefits even apply? And are these benefits actually benefits or is there actually more pain? And I think everyone deserves the right to feel that way and to feel it fully and not have anyone come and try to tell them otherwise. I think most of us, if we haven't gone through that, we will go through that in some shape or form. Even if we're someone who um, married a high school sweetheart and we have been happily connected, we can still feel that same sense of, 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 overwhelm or the same sense of sadness and friendships and family relationships and work relationships, you know, because it is, it is a real feeling. So I was telling her how I didn't want to stitch that. However, what I did say, which is kind of where this podcast is coming from, for those who are ready to hear this after you have gone through this period of mourning and sadness and just, you know, I want companionship, but maybe this isn't going to happen for me or I want companionship, but I keep trying and it's not working out for me or, you know, I'm just feeling so hopeless and your heart is at a place where you may still feel that way, but you're willing, you're open to hearing a little bit of hope and it won't land as invalidation. I've also told her that I told my friend that I have yet at this point, at the point that I'm recording this, I've yet to hear anybody's story where they tell me there was no red flags at the beginning. That once we start talking, when they tell me the story, and we start talking about what was going on, about how they met, about what their family was like, about how they pursued them or didn't pursue them, about what they were doing in their personal life, about um, what their thoughts were about their values and um, different conversations that they had. There's, I have yet to have anyone tell me a story that I have not been able to say, or ask, okay, well, what did you think or feel when they said this or when this happened or when this didn't happen? And to watch them be like, oh, well, I kind of, I didn't think that much of it. Or I was just trying to keep an eye on it. Or um, I told them I didn't like it and I just set boundaries and I set expectations. There's usually some type of cue. And maybe it's that people have to go through the process to realize that what they think is something that is simple is actually an indicator for something bigger. And it's not that they were intentionally not paying attention, it's that they just didn't know. They didn't know that what they thought was a moth was actually a dragon. And it was only through life and that that experience that they realized that this was part of something bigger. But to my point, you continually having to learn lessons, lesson after lesson after lesson gets old. 
and it makes you want to just not try. And so if there's anyone who's in that place right now, I just want to say I see you and I hear you and I feel you and I support you. I support you in taking whatever breaks that you feel like you need to, to protect your heart and protect your mind and protect your spirit and heal and rejuvenate. And I also am going to be that positive voice in your ear that does not let you give up on what you want, which is companionship, which is love, which is trust. You know, if if it actually helped people feel better to just say, fuck all this and fuck relationships and fuck trying and I'm just going to do me forever, then this podcast wouldn't exist. You know, a lot of other um, things that we have going on in this world wouldn't exist if we could actually truly be alone and be fully happy without companionship and love, then it would make life a lot simpler. However, as human beings, we are built to be in relationship. We are built to be in tribes. We are built to be in connection. And so as much as I want to validate your pain and your grief, it is also my job that once that season is either nearing completion or it is complete, that you have somebody here cheering you on, letting you know that it is okay for you to have hope, to give you permission, because there are a lot of voices out there that will commiserate with you and will um, validate that stuckness. And for some people that doesn't feel like stuckness, it feels like their chosen state and that is where they want to be. And so every other podcast episode that I have that really reinforces you building your self-love and your intimacy and your relationship with yourself and connection and romance outside of romantic partnerships, all of that is for you. However, there are some of you who... I've gotten to that place where you're like, maybe this is just my state in life and you live that for live that way for a while and then you're like, this sucks. Or maybe in the midst of it, you're like, this sucks, but this is just my lot and this is how it has to be. I I really want to be that voice that lets you know that it's okay for you to have hope if that is what you need right now. And so that is what this episode is for. For those of you who have been burned and you're ready to try again or you're currently trying again, to give you a couple of things for you to maybe examine and look at your beliefs around um, to, to ease some pain and to help you if or when or as you go through this process or start to put yourself out there again and connect to people and love again and connect again and partner again. Um, to not let the wounds from the past get in the way of the blessings of your future. So with all that said, let's talk about the first thing for you to unlearn if you are exiting a dysfunctional or toxic or unhealthy relationship or just heartbreak. You know, um, sometimes it doesn't have to be this really topsy-turvy thing, but just you were really connected to someone that you really cared about and you felt they really cared about you. And in that evaluation of what happened, that assessment about what happened, you have maybe come to some conclusions that are helpful and some that are not. The first one is, I cannot trust my gut. Or second guessing your inner voice and your intuition. So if you are not a stranger to this podcast, you know that I talk about learning how to listen to your inner voice, your inner gut, your inner, sp inner spirit all of the time. That your voice, your inner voice and your connection with yourself is going to be your North Star and really cultivating it and curating it. 
And when you're in a relationship that doesn't work out because of some unhealthy factors, you can start to doubt that. Sometimes you doubt it because the person is a narcissist and they directly target and abuse your thought process and tell you that what you feel um, doesn't make sense or it doesn't matter or you're being too sensitive. Um, They will play devil's advocate and say, well, have you considered this? They will listen to what you say about your feelings and then throw in ways that they their feelings have been hurt. And so you're always used to someone one-upping your emotions. And especially if you are a kind and compassionate person, a person who may also try to be really thoughtful and really fair, they they will use that against you. They will use what is actually a good um, communication skill and superpower that you have in partnerships. And they will use that to keep you always doubting yourself so that they will always be right. And they will always have you either apologizing for your emotions or not showing up for your emotions or backing down um, because there's trumps it. But I think for many of us, we don't even need to be partnered with someone who's a narcissist, just a relationship that didn't work, maybe because our traumas matched, you know, they perfectly matched at like jigsaw puzzles. And so maybe we triggered each other. And in your assessment of trying to meet them where they were and trying to have grace and trying to work it out, you learned how to talk yourself out of your own emotions in your own head. You started to repeat the same same voices or the same phrases that have been told to you for most of your life that your maybe your emotions are don't matter or you're being illogical or that there's something wrong with your thinking. You know, there's a type of trauma that's called intellectual trauma. I know we all hear things about emotional abuse and mental abuse, but when I heard someone talk about intellectual trauma, it really, really stood out to me. Because what intellectual trauma does, of course, is kind of like connected to emotional abuse and mental abuse, is it really damages and it challenges the way that you think. And it makes you think that your thoughts are, again, nonsensical, maybe immature, that they don't hold weight or hold value, that they're not as sophisticated and as um, valued as the thoughts and the opinions of maybe other people or the person who's saying that to you. So. When you get into relationships, you will start to edify and uphold the thoughts and the opinions of other people over yourself. And unless they agree with you, unless they give you permission to feel how you feel, or they unless they co-sign it, you really have a hard time standing in your own truth and standing in um, your own beliefs. But You are entitled to feel how you feel and think what you think, even if other people disagree with you. And, you know, kind of an offshoot of this one as well, a thought pattern around your gut that I hear people start to second guess a lot is their ability to choose partners, which makes them want to not choose at all. They get burned so bad or they pick people who they really thought was going to be it or they thought was their person. And because they continue to select incorrectly or that their their filter, they feel like their filter is not working and there are some folks and some experiences that are getting through that they do not want, they want to throw the whole thing away. And they want to say, well, then this is just impossible for me. My choosing mechanism is off, so I'm just not going to choose at all. And I want you to know that you absolutely can 
trust your feelings and trust your intuitions and trust your gut and trust your ability to choose. You just may need some additional feedback and support because you don't know what you don't know. Right now with the experience that you have, it looks crystal clear to you. And even with that crystal clarity, you may still be missing things. But by having some extra support to help you figure out what's wrong and what's right, then you will be able to choose correctly. You will be able to validate your own emotions. You will be able to stand in your own truth. This is going to sound like a non-related example, but I promise that it is. <laughs> so um, as if you listen to this podcast, you also know that I have been on a health and recovery journey for well, in the last couple of years as well regarding, you know, taking care of my heart and my body and all these other things. And one of the things that I really learned about on this path is the impact of stress and cortisol in your body becoming inflamed and how it affects all of your organs to where um, it's hard for you to lose weight. It is. It affects your sleep. It affects whether or not you have certain diseases or not. Um, it affects just all things in your life. And so one thing that I learned as I uh, went through this process and was doing research and listening to other people's stories is that there was a whole community of women who were doing all the right things when it came to weight loss. They were eating calories at a deficit. They were doing the right workouts. They were eating the right foods as well, but they would still maintain the same weight, if not get bigger. And then once they found out about the impact, um, how certain foods affected their hormones, that there were some foods that they were not allergic to, but they had intolerances towards. Um, and simple foods, like not even just nuts, but certain fruits that are considered healthy fruits. Um, and certain grains that are considered healthy grains, you know, but they were eating all the healthy things at a calorie deficit while working out every every day of the week. They were still um, in bodies that were making them sick and not just at a shape that they did not want, but literally were also making them sick. And so once they figured out that there were these foods that they couldn't have, and once they found out that there were certain exercises that were causing more stress to their body versus the more low impact ones that they needed to, and they made those changes, their body recovered. So I think that's what happens here is that we are, you are doing all the right things. The same thing that I said about that, that woman who had the TikTok, she was in therapy. She would, she shared part of her story was the guy that really, one of the guys that broke her heart was a guy who had really tried to talked to her before. She said, you don't have what I'm looking for. He said, give me two or three years and I'm going to come back and make it right. He came back after two or three years after she set those boundaries and, uh, you know, came back and was doing all the right things. And then something happened and she wouldn't say what the something happened was, but y'all, I just look, uh, I've been doing this work for ooh, 16 years now altogether. And I just, I just fully believe that there are things that we see um, and things that maybe we see, but we don't know are problems. Let me correct that because that sounds like you're, you're blaming the person for what happened. I think that there are things that happen that unless, again, we don't know what we don't know. And so we may see something as completely benign and is actually cancerous. And it may be the other people around us that once we have that insight and then we're able to see, oh, 
okay, next time I know when the, when they say something like this or when they move in this kind of way or when this happens or when this doesn't happen, it doesn't matter how much time has passed or it doesn't matter what they say or what they don't say, you know, just to keep that in mind. And again, that is not me blaming the person that did it because, or blaming the person who went through it because the person who broke your heart and the person who used you and the person who cheated on you and the person who um, just completely deceived you, they are the ones who are at fault for their actions. Not you. You did not cause it. You did not beg for it. You did not create it. You just didn't know what that person was doing. And, um, but the fault for their actions is on them, not on you. And so it's really important for you to practice some self-forgiveness because had you known, had you been able to see what was happening, you most likely would have moved away, right? You most likely would have done something different, but you didn't know. So practicing self-forgiveness is really important. So that you can try again, so that you can speak to whoever you need to speak to, um, get the support that you need to learn how to figure out, okay, what is my pattern here? What is this red flag? What is the the common factors between this? So that, or what is it that I need to heal or work through so that this isn't my continued experience? As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When healing from an intimacy disorder, one of the first things you have to do right after getting clear on your patterns of addictive behaviors, avoiding behaviors, and living in deprivation is clearing out the roots that caused it. Clearing out the experiences, the traumas, the narratives that have kept you stuck all of these years. 
In my signature coaching program, The Recovery School, you have the opportunity to reveal the sources of low self-worth, to learn about how old roles in your family have resulted in codependency, shutting down, and not letting others in. And also to learn how to talk to and connect to your inner child in a way that is soothing and healing. This is the next step to reframing the old stories that have plagued you for years to evolve to being a healed and loved woman and having access to the love and the relationships and self-worth that you've always wanted. Learn more and get started by going to therecoveryschool.com. Again, that is therecoveryschool.com. Because what I would love to happen, here's my dream. My dream is that we get to a place to where what I continue to hear from women when it comes to women who are single who want to date and be in monogamous relationships, what I hear from them is not this feeling of hopelessness of I just can't date or be in relationships at, at all because it's hopeless. And, you know, there's a whole sector of the population who's completely broken. And again, I've said this before, I hear this from people who are attracted to everybody. So I hear this from women who love women that women are crazy. And I hear this from women who love men, that men are crazy. So, so, you know, some, something's got to give because there are many people who are in healthy relationships who love each other, right? If, if, if it was completely true that relationships are completely broken, there would be nobody who makes it right. There are, I've mentioned John Gottman, um, often the last several episodes but this is a research institution that studies marriages and relationships. And they talk about how there are the masters and there are the disasters. The masters are the people who stay married for forever or for a long period of time. And they are very happy in their relationships. And then there are people who are the disasters and they stay together, but they hate each other and they are miserable in the relationship. And I think depending on where our filters are, are pointed, we can look at the people who are the disasters. We can look at the people who tried and it didn't make it. We can look at past failed relationships and act as if the whole world is like this, but it's not y'all. It's not. And as painful as it may be, depending on the grief level that you're in right now, for me to tell you is not like that all the time. For those who need it right now, who need that light at the end of the tunnel, I need to let you know that there is an alternative, right? And this is not me telling you to not grieve, to not hang it up, to not stop trying. If that's what you need to do, if that is what you need to find peace, if that is what you need to find God, to find yourself, to find um, serenity. And for you, it's not a phase. For you, is a lifestyle. I want you to do that with your full heart and with your full chest. But if you're still listening to this episode and you got a little bit of both, you are pursuing with a full heart and your full chest a life that is fully built on what makes you happy and only having people and relationships that includes friendships, family, and otherwise that truly bring you joy. And you're doing that with everything in you. But there's still a part of you that wants companionship. If or when it comes in the right form and at the right time, that's what this is for. That's what this episode is for. It is not to make anyone who has gotten to this place feel as if they have caused it or that they are the reason that this has happened. All I'm saying is that there's information and there's there's experiences and wisdom from the people around you who maybe who love you or from the experts in your community or 
those who can help you break these cycles and to not to not give up. I don't want you to give up if this is a desire for your heart or at least not give up forever. Do what you need to do for now. But whenever you're ready, just know that you can trust your gut. You can trust your voice and you can trust your picker. You can. The second thing that I would encourage you to unlearn if you're in this place is going to be another one that's a little bit controversial, but I've I've already said a lot of things already. So let me just say this one. This is for those of you who are attracted to men. One thing that you may need to unlearn is that men are emotionless and evil, vile creatures. Um, again, there are some real shitty things that are happening to a lot of us and we're not making it up and it is happening on a big scale to many of us. It's not one or two incidents. And, and that is very real that there are a lot of people who are preying on women that are learning how to present as healthy and established folks and really taking advantage of women's hearts. That is a very real thing that is happening. And I think that the men who do that deserve what's coming to them because some of the men who are doing this are broken and they're doing it as a defense mechanism. And there are some people who have fully adopted a lifestyle where they think women are not human or they think that we are inferior and they truly hate and despise us they may be sexually attracted to us but they truly hate and despise us and they use us as such that is a very real thing that is happening and so again i believe that all people who are in that category deserve what they have coming to them until they decide to repent which many of them don't because they live in their own echo chamber. Um, And so a lot of their violence and discrimination and hatred gets reinforced. And um, yeah. However, however, y'all, however, as real as there is a real category or subgroup of people who are predators and incels, and um, folks that need to be avoided with everything that we have in us, and many of them prosecuted for the things that they do and the violence that they create. There is also populations of men who are fully connected to themselves, to their emotions, to their own personal accountability, to their spirituality, They love their mothers and they love their sisters and they love the women in their community and they show up for their community and they practice self-accountability and they say, I'm sorry. And they want to have a healthy and full life. They want to provide for the people around them and they want to make a change and they want to break generational curses and they want to make God proud and they want to leave a legacy like these men exist. So what happens if you are still operating out of your pain and your trauma, your real pain and trauma and PTSD that has happened to you, and you come across these men, the good ones, and you have a deep ingrained belief that men are emotionless and do not care, 
and um, cannot feel and have no regret and have no remorse with these men, you will become the abuser. You will become the perpetrator. You will become the instigator of all the things that you hate for yourself. And it will make it very hard for you to be present in this relationship, if at all. And you may actually end up creating the monsters or creating, maybe not because, again, people are in charge of their own of their own experience. But no, yeah, yeah, you may be a part of creating some situations and some experiences that are exactly like what you left, but now you're on the other side because you are projecting the pain that was given to you in a way to defend yourself um, against a threat that does not exist in this relationship. And so for you to actually get the love that you want, if you're someone who has held this belief and that is still sexually romantically attracted to men in spite of your best efforts to move away from this, you are going to have to learn how to see men as humans. And this, and that's going to be really hard, especially if you have had, like I've already said, a long history of relationships with people who have not shown up for you in the way that you want them to. You need to make space for, when I meet a predator, this is how I treat a predator. This is how I treat people who expect violence onto me and they and they use violence on me whether it's mentally emotionally sexually physically I think I already said physically um financially spiritually and then when I meet people who are safe and available this is how I interact with them and these are my expectations with them when I get for many of us or for many of you those ratios when you're first starting out may still feel skewed so for you it may be that this feels like, or it is, I, d- I don't want to use feels like in a way that sounds like it's invalidating your experience, but it feels like it's like a 90-10 ratio. You know, for every 10 people you meet, nine of them are predators, right? But for that one, do you know how to? Do you know how to have open space and open heart for um, for the people who can actually have benefit to your life, whether or not it is just as a friendship or as a partner or as more. Um, You know, I may take this out in editing, but what I was going to say earlier is I want every woman's experience to be instead of every time I try to date, I meet someone who is going to hurt me. And so now I want to give up. I want it to be I keep meeting people who are nice for me, but they're not the right fit. And I'm just ready to find my person. I want that to be the overall complaint for people that, yeah, you may still struggle with loneliness, but it's not because you um, feel like there's not anyone who's good for you in the world. It's just that you haven't found the right fit for you, right? And so these almost experiences is the frustration versus toxic, dysfunctional breakups and trauma every time, right? I hope that makes sense. And so I think as you are able to be around more of these people, it helps you really affirm your picker. It helps you really affirm that your intuition is right. And you do get closer and closer to figure out what it is that you want and what is it that you need in relationships and in partnerships, right? And you're able to show up in relationships and have healthy conflict with someone who is also mutually invested, 
And uh, you're actually able to see that your person has emotions. And here's the thing about men with emotions too that I want to say. I think a lot of us also think that men don't have emotions because the way that they show it and the way they talk about it is so drastically different than how women do. And in our postmodern postmodern world that is becoming more and more therapy literate, we can really double down on the fact that there is only one way to express emotions and there's only a certain language. And when it's not done in that way, we don't see it and we don't acknowledge it. When we as women, we may express our emotions in a more verbose way, in a more outward way, where men will tell you how they feel, but it's not going to have all the words associated. It's not going to have all the buffers. It's not going to have, um, please, please give me some grace as I say this, but the games. So for example, and maybe I'm just telling on myself, I don't think I am, but it may not have, I'm going to tell you how I feel, but I'm only going to tell you part of it because you should know me. And so you should be able to fill in the rest of it. I've told you that I'm upset. This thing just happened. So you should know that I'm upset about this thing. You should know that I'm upset about this thing because we had this conversation about this thing that happened with my mom that's very similar. So you need to be able to put it all together. And I think as women who speak women, we could tell that situation to a friend of ours and it's not that big of a stretch. Like, yeah, obviously (laughs) they should be able to put that together. Like we understand that, but that is not how men communicate. It is not um, this access that they have been given. It is not how people have communicated with them. It has not been expected of them. And if anything, men have really been punished for their vulnerability. I'm punished for saying, hey, you hurt my feelings. You know, depending on the person who's in front of them, for a man to be vulnerable and say, you hurt my feelings or I'm sad or that made me upset, they absolutely will. If they are with a partner who does not have the space to to understand that my emotions, my being the woman, that my emotions are not more important than yours, than the man's, they will absolutely get in a relationship with someone who, when they are vulnerable to say, hey, that really hurts my feelings, that that person is one, either not going to hear that they said that, like it's just they're like as if the words didn't even happen. And if they do say that, they might get loud talked a little bit and say, well, this is why I'm trying to communicate with you because these, these, these things don't need to happen. Not realizing that someone just vulnerably said, hey, I feel hurt right now. And you just responded with coming back with some little bit of attitude or maybe a lot of bit of attitude. When if the shoes were flipped or the the roles were reversed and you told your partner, hey, I feel hurt right now. And then they came back with attitude and talking about what they felt that would not fly at all. Like it's a lot easier to see sometimes when we flip it in that way, but because men are not going to share for the most part, I know that there are exceptions, but for the most part, a man is not going to visibly show in his face how sad and broken he is. Um, He is not going to tell you in a three paragraph statement why he's feeling sad. He's just going to say, man, that's messed up. Or, wow, 
I can't believe you said that to me. Or, man, well, what about, what about this that I've done? Or, that's crazy. Like, I, I thought, I thought you understood me better. You know, these are going to be the statements that they say that are showing, ouch, I feel betrayed. Ouch, I feel really misunderstood right now. Ouch, I really feel alone in this conversation right now. Ouch, I feel attacked, right? And we may miss it. We may miss it because it's either not on our radar, we don't speak in that way, um, or we've been told that men's emotions are not as vital as ours. And so we get into relationships with people who match that same energy, right? Who match that. I'm not going to listen to you and I'm not going to care about how you feel and what I feel is more important than yours um, because we haven't had, we haven't learned how to be reciprocal for difficult conversations. We haven't learned how to be the bad guy. You know, I think, I think many of us are used to being in relationships with people where they are the bad guy. And so when we tell our friends or when we journal about it, or when we tell our therapist, it's a very comfortable position. Mm, I don't want to say comfortable. It is a familiar position for us to be talking about a time that we were really vulnerable with somebody and they either intentionally or unintentionally unintentionally misunderstood us, didn't show up for the way that we needed them to show up, and we just felt really hurt on the other side. Very rarely have we been ever told a story to a friend, to a therapist, to a loved one about how we were in a partnership with someone and we said or did something that hurt their feelings and how we feel really bad about it and how we had to learn from it. When I can guarantee you, if you have ever had an intimate relationship, if you, we will all be the villain at some point. At some point, we are all going to be the bad guy. If we're doing intimate relationships right and we're being honest and we're actually showing up, it doesn't matter how much y'all have been best friends, y'all speak the same language, y'all have the same values, even if you're the same gender. There are going to be moments that you say something that's going to trigger the other person or that's going to be a misunderstanding and you need to be able to hold space to be the person who got it wrong without saying, oh man, I'm a bad person or that means this relationship's going to end or they're going to be so mad at me and leave me and it's going to be really hard for you to hold space for them because you're so caught up in your fear of rejection or abandonment or low self-worth that you can't listen to them because what that person needs when you make a mistake is for you to say I'm sorry or to validate their experience or to be curious about how they're feeling, right? To offer a safe space to open up. A lot of times men will stick with those one word or two word responses because they feel, either they feel or they've seen by how those one or two word statements are shared that it is not safe for them to say more. That if they continue to talk and say more about why they feel like what just happened is crazy or wow, um, man, that's messed up. Why they think that whatever just happened is messed up, that they're just going to get a whole back of a whole lot of back and forth versus, okay, tell me more. Why do you think that's messed up? And allowing them to fully say what it is that they feel without being told why they feel what they feel is wrong, you know? And again, that's very controversial. If you have been in relationships with people who have gaslit you your whole life, but if you are holding out hope to be in an intimate relationship with a healthy and available other person, you have to adopt this belief system that these people exist. And if these people exist, 
then what I'm saying is true. These are other human beings with the whole same spectrum of emotions that you have, with the same ability to have heartbreak, to feel insecure, to feel forgotten, to feel overlooked, to feel disrespected, to feel betrayed. They have all the same emotions that you have. And so do you have the capacity to show up for someone who communicates that to you in a healthy way versus going and being dysfunctional by cheating, by raging at you, by shutting down and not talking to you at all? If you want the full experience, you got to be ready for the full experience. And you may need to grow in that area of your life to see men as people who have emotions as well. That may not be for all of you, but for those of you that that was for, that's why I said it. And this wasn't on the list, but I'm going to add this here just because I feel like it probably will round this out in a way that I need it to, is you may need to unlearn that love is supposed to hurt. A lot of times I give extra disclaimers when I'm talking about being validating and listening to the experiences of other people because many of us, our pattern is being in relationships with people where we did all of that. We were super conscientious. We were super gracious. We were super forgiving. We asked all the questions. We played dang near therapists with people, but we did it with people who did not have the emotional maturity to match us with that energy and to care that deeply about our own emotions as well. They were not as thoughtful as us. They were not as emotionally regulated as us. They were not as emotionally intuitive as us. And so we did end up being the folks who gave a lot, who were taken advantage of, who um, were skipped over and missed, um, who were used and abused, right? Those are real things that happened. And so I want to be clear that these gifts of showing up and having your presence are only for people who are healthy and available. You should not be doing crazy amounts of relationship CPR, 90% of your relationship, or even 80% of your relationship, or 70% of your relationship. And of course, I'm talking to people who are, you know, in either just starting out or have been really trying to work through things um, as a beginning, at the beginning, as you've gone through the honeymoon period. This is not necessarily for people who have been and long-term committed relationships because things come up. But even then, y'all, Gottman, the researchers that I was talking about before, they found in their research that either 64 or maybe 67% of all relationship problems are perpetual, meaning that there are some relationships that no matter how long you're together, there are some problems that no matter how long y'all are together are always going to be a problem. So whether or not one person is always late and one person's on time, whether or not one person is hot nature and one person's cold nature, whether or not one person, you know, wants their dishes stacked a certain way and the other one wants some free form. Like these are going to be problems that you're going to have throughout the entirety of your relationship. So what makes it work? How y'all communicate, how you show up for each other, how you make compromises and when you make compromises, whether or not you do bids and repairs within the relationship. That's what makes it work. If your relationship is all dysfunction and there's no bids and there's no repairs, if you don't know what that means, go and Google John Gottman bids and repairs, which is in short, how often do you move towards each other versus away from each other, right? There's literally a ratio 
of how often it's supposed to happen. I want to say it's five to one that he talks about in his research. And they can predict to what, 94 and 96% accuracy, who's going to stay together, who's not going to stay together. There's literal science around this, y'all. And so going back to my point, love is not supposed to hurt. There's supposed to be moments of getting, moving closer to each other and there's um, moving closer to repair. It's not supposed to um, hurt all the time is what I should say. It's not supposed to be fully abusive and fully um, going up a hill all of the time, every single day without break and reprieve. If that's how this is, then that's something that I really want you to unlearn as well. That maybe love and relationships can have some ease and have some flow. And if that's not your experience, then you get to imagine what you want your experience to look like and you get to choose and you get to reformat it and you get to change your mind in this lifetime. You get to decide what you want. Okay. All right. That was a lot, y'all. I feel like, I feel, I feel like that was a lot. So I'm going to leave this here. I hope that this reaches those who need it at the time that they need it. I gave the big disclaimers at first to make sure that y'all know that I really want to hold space for those who are going through whatever stage and cycle you're going through. You are exactly where you need to be at this point. And for those who needed this hope and inspiration and a little bit of challenging, I hope that this reached you at the right time as well. As always, send this to someone who may need it that you think may find it helpful. My recovery school coaching program is how I mainly help women work through all the issues that I've talked about today to have hope and to try again and to figure out what is it that she needs or wants to break these patterns. This is where I provide all that guidance and insight um, as your co-facilitator, as the woman who will walk alongside you and coach you through this. You can learn more by going to therecoveryschool.com. And in the meantime, I hope that you all find the love and hope and connection that you all truly deserve, that you've always deserved because you're worth it. So that's it for now. I'm sending you all so much love and I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, take care of yourselves. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.